You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Morning, WA. This is the World Football Program. My name's Sean Kelly. I'll be with you for the next two hours. Thanks to Frank and Jerry for another wonderful song from uh, uh, sorry Celtic Ramblings. Now, isn't it? Show um, always good to come in after those boys have a chat with them. And in two hours will be the jazz show. Um, joining me in the studio this week is Don Evans. Good morning, Don. Hey, good morning, Sean, and uh, good morning to all our listeners on a well a strange sort of morning, Sean, where we're all the all the powers out here in the studio we're on the generator just you know we're in the darkness and not for the first time we're in the dark (laughs) (laughs) but there is a light at the end of the tunnel west ham won last night sean and we're almost free bathing in the afterglow mate it's still (laughs) a a cracking goal by declan rice yes Um, it was yeah absolutely stunning and the beast antonio continue to score goals for us again and it's almost like you know we've just won the won the world cup no, he's he's been ma- magnificent for us, and I think you know you you can't argue he, the last few days it's it's him that's um, done it for us. And yeah. I don't know about you this morning, mate, but when I got up this morning, mm. um, I thought you know it's a it was a nice brisk morning, brass um, monkey weather, we'll call it. It was, you know, and I I felt that really we should have had something going on in the background, you know. Um, classic bit of music in the background from a movie like um, Groundhog Day, you know, <laughs> Sonny and Cher in the background, I've got you, babe. <laughs> and um, I say, Don, it's cold out there. And you go, 
Sean gets cold out there every day. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you, you're starting to sound very melancholy there, Sean. But you know what I'm really happy about is it's winter and we're playing our football and uh, it's happening all, all around the traps in WA. We've got our, our NPL happening, our state leagues happening, our amateurs, our women's NPL, um, juniors. It's just so great to, to uh, drive around and see all these uh, happy footballers playing the game that we love. And... A-League. A-League, yeah, wow. Started back last night, Sydney back into the usual groove with a, a win over um, Wellington. But, you know, look, it's it's nice to have it back. We've got our glory playing this afternoon. Um, again, that'd be great. They're going Central Coast Mariners at three. So, you know. Yeah, the Castro-less glory. It's going to be uh, interesting to see how we uh, come back. We should, I mean... We, We've won without him before. We should be able to manage. Absolutely. But I think, you know, there's a lot of speculation about Castro. Mm. Um, he's had a three-month layoff. He's 38. Um, I think he knows he's not fit. Mm. And at his age, if he goes out there unfit, he's going to get injured very quickly and then next year's done. So I think it's a smart move by him. Yeah, it's uh, a, a, like a protective measure. And, uh, yeah, it's just a pity because, I mean, I'd love to see him in the Asian Champions League. That's, that's really where he would shine for us but uh, not to be well yeah we don't know what's happening with that either yet there's still no news on it and we're, we're waiting for news of the asian champions league they're talking about a hub in japan mm. nothing really sorted yet so yeah yeah just uh, one of those it, it, the answer is blowing in the wind <laughs> absolutely <laughs> um another thing we i saw a happy birthday wish go out this morning to an absolute legend yeah, Bobby um, Despotoski. Bobby. Yeah, no, he's um, you know just never seems to age. Our our Bobby, he's uh, forever young and uh, and enjoying his football and uh, the coaching roles that he's got with Glory. Um, happy birthday to uh, one of the uh, the town favourites in uh, Bobby Despotoski. Absolutely, and if you're out there and you see Bobby round the traps. Buy the man a drink for his birthday. Well done, everyone. <laughs> I'm sure he won't knock you back. <laughs> I know he won't. Um, in today's show, we've got a, a, an interesting show coming up. Um, Ante Kovacevic, although he's been a, a, he was Melbourne born, we, we've taken him into our hearts. He's one of our own. Mm-hmm. Um, played for the Glory, was also the Glory's football manager for a while. So um, he's picked up a gig over East, so we'll, we'll talk to him about that one. We've got uh, Normo, who um, Graham Normanton, who's probably the most decorated coach in this state, um, fresh from a two-year media ban, so we'll be talking to Normo. He'll be champing at the bit. I just can't wait to talk to Normo again. It's been so long. Jeez, we Uh, missed you, Graham. And and then we'll we'll follow up with the EPL, with the EPL now closing in and what that will mean for next season, ACL and a few other decisions through the week with our man Derek Pollock. And then we'll catch up with Donoghue Frey at the end, DT38, um, find out what's going on with DT38 and um, Donna herself. Yeah, no, it'd be great to find out uh, the latest on DT38, a, a charity that's uh, near to many people's hearts in uh, Western Australia. So uh, can't wait for that little chat with Donna. Absolutely. Um, local news, um, there's not a whole lot going on out there other than the season's back into normal, some good games in and around the traps. 
Um, yeah, it's just uh, I think um, the season started off with all clubs, uh, you know, having some hope and uh, ambitions, and you know the the usual suspects like Floriot who finished off last year, uh, definitely uh, you know making a statement early, uh, being undefeated. Bayswater, Bayzie. Oh, hang on, no, they no. didn't. <laughs> Bayzie have uh, they, let's just say they uh, they've uh, started with a with a draw, and then uh, all of a sudden it was um, Coburn who just put them to bed at. Uh, at Dalmatnak Park, it was just uh, an amazing game. They were two 0 up, and then uh, it, uh, just things swung, and it was it was all Coburn and four two four two result for uh, Coburn against uh, what what would have been a fancied uh, win for Bayswater being two 0 up. They would have yeah. thought we're going to go on with this, and uh, didn't didn't work out that way. So it shows it's it's a very open competition again. Uh, and I think this year we just get the form book throw out the window because that's right. Yeah, it's a very yeah. very different season, and we'll when we talk to Norm. And Ante will talk to them about what they've done about their preparation for this season. Absolutely, yeah. There's, uh, I think, every club's had a different sort of um, start to the season in, in respect of some played uh, preseason friendlies, others didn't. Just yeah. trained as a squad, and 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 you know, for some of the clubs, it's impacted. They haven't had that. You know, because I mean, it's a shortened season, so yep. really, you need to hit the ground running straight away. And and yeah. some clubs are taking it as an opportunity to blood new and untried players. It's and a development to, year for some clubs. Yeah, yeah, yep, so. um, And others are taking it, you know, deadly seriously and, and punching yep. on. So yep. you know, each for their own. Each their own, and yeah, let's see how it all uh, unwinds. But um, early early days, yeah, round three, and um, it'll, there's some real good uh, clashes coming up this weekend. So we'll go through that. Um, after we've spoken to Ante. Yeah, no worries. We'll go to a break now and we'll be back after that with Ante and we'll talk to him about the exciting stage in his career. So we'll be, we'll be back after these. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Royal Tryon. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The OzWest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at auswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au. Melville City Football Club celebrates 50 years in 2019. After partnering up with Murdoch University in 2018 to become Murdoch University Melville Football Club, the club is embarking on a quest to collect as much memorabilia about the history of Melville as it can find. Share your records on the club's historical video project Facebook page or contact the coordinator, Penny at mumfc.com.au. Penny at mumfc.com.au Station Sponsor Hi, I'm Miranda Templeman. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keep in touch through FaceTime and watch classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. 
your World Football team in the studio every Saturday from 10am to 12pm. We appreciate your support. Stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together. Young Miranda there with a message for us all. Even though we're where we are with COVID, still got to keep doing the right thing. Yeah, no, WA uh, doing doing it, uh, showing Australia how it's done. So uh, Mark McGowan definitely uh, leading as one of the uh, the great uh, premiers in Australia right now, doing uh, keeping us all safe. And Absolutely, and you'd, you'd be a brave person to be headed east at this time. And we have such a man on the phone in <laughs> Ante Kovacevic, never been shy of a challenge. Yeah. Um, good day, Ante. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good. How are you guys? Yeah. Good. Thanks. Very well, Ante. Um, very exciting stage for you. you I know you've been um, football manager with the Glory and, and with Adelaide, but uh, to get into Western United um, set up at the, this stage of their um, growth be, is a very exciting challenge for you. Yeah, look, obviously under the circumstances, with obviously the COVID uh, crisis, um, to, get a, yeah, to get a job back in football was yeah, no, pretty, pretty, pretty chuffed with it, to be honest. And um, yeah, look, unfortunately, I got hit back to Melbourne, um, to Sydney first, and hopefully by the time I get to Melbourne, a couple, you know, six or seven weeks' time, uh, things are better over there as well. But um, look, looking forward to getting back into the football industry, if you like, from a professional or full-time point of view. And um, yeah, pretty excited. You know, it's been a new club. I think um, you know, in my discussions, they've been uh, quite eager to uh, build the club, um, and uh, hopefully, I'm a big part of that uh, moving forward. So the role you have is the um, football operations football manager, operations manager which yep. is basically the same job that you, you had at Glory and at Adelaide. Um, obviously, yep. those experiences would help shape you. I mean, Adelaide were very successful whilst you were there. Yeah, no, look, had a well, it's four years in Adelaide. I was there, so um, went pretty quick. But no, yeah, we had a championship win, a couple of FA uh, Cup wins. Um, but look, from the experience of Adelaide was building a team, a local team as well. A lot of uh, young local Adelaide players, South Australian boys involved in the team and, and having some success on a budget. Um, you know, we, we were never going to spend big money as other Melbourne or Sydney clubs would. But we did promote a lot of uh, young kids, which I think is important. And, um, you know, I was even discussing with the West United guys that we do, well, if you want to represent, you know, the West of Melbourne, West of Victoria, you, you do need to have a representation of, uh, you know, players from that region. And, you know, I, I really don't think that there's a big difference in players across the country. So, there's no reason why clubs cannot um, you know, have a. No, it's tough to have 80, 90 percent of the players, but there should be at least half players from that region eventually as they come through. Um, but just do, I think clubs should be aiming for that, and I think it's it gives you know the local population, local fans, um, you know, representation of people they watch in the local leagues or in the youth leagues or junior leagues, and someone coming through and being a local player. I think that's important for all clubs. For our WA people, Ante, who don't really know too much about Western United, what can you tell us about their uh, their call call it football culture, the foundation of the club, and uh, where, you know who the main backers are that are um, you know doing this ambitious plan to get another A League team happening in uh, in Melbourne? Yeah, look, um, there's a couple of uh, they seem to have money, so a couple of uh, local backers there um, involved in the construction industry, I believe, hmm. uh, but they do uh, they, they do want to push the um, club forward. They've, they've only got the A-League team at the moment, so they do want to build a, obviously a youth system there. They do want to implement uh, a women's league, a uh, women's team there to yeah. join the W League, hopefully. So they are <clears> looking <throat> to build the club. And I suppose that's where my experience comes into it from, you know, dealing with it in Adelaide and Perth to uh, have someone with uh, experience in the game there. Uh, but look, they, they are positive. They are, um, 
you know, ambitious, um, not just spending money on on anything, but are ambitious on building a club. They are talking about, and, and from all reports, it is still going ahead, building a stadium, their own stadium, um, out in the western region of, of uh, Melbourne, uh, which is, you know, essentially probably about 30 kilometres from, from the CBD, which yeah. is, you know, probably from Perth to June Lop. So in the scheme of things, it's not, that, it's not too far out of town, but, uh, you know, it encapsulates that region. And, um, you know, having a home base, a home ground, uh, home train facilities, I think uh, it'll be a game changer if, if, if it comes to fruition and hopefully it does uh, within the next few years. So I know that they were very keen to to be um, the west of Melbourne and, and identify with the local community from, from day one. And I, was, I imagine that's part of this setting up an academy. It would be in a similar style to Adelaide and, and Glory, so it would be a ground-up approach, um, which is a great opportunity for someone who's you know got the skills that you do. Um, is that the sort of model that you're after to get a, a – an accredited academy with people playing at all levels. Yeah, look, ideally, I think it's a it's a long game. Um, it's, I don't think it's something. I think you and my recommendation, even to Adelaide and, and to West Melbourne, was not to try to take on too much too soon. Um, if they're going to be a, an academy, that, you know, they're a professional club, that they really need to be um, you know, a step above the local NPL clubs. Yeah. Um, not, not there's anything wrong with local NBL clubs, but you really need to provide more than what they do if you want to be a point of difference. So, look, like I said, it's, um, you know, I said it's probably best from, you know, starting from scratch, it's probably best to just take on one team at a time, mm-hmm. uh, which was my recommendation. So you're building one team into your, into your system and then per year and then growing that um, organically, ideally, over, over the next several years until you've got that full system throughout your junior football. I know even like when Perth obviously started it here, you know, there was probably complaints from clubs that, you know, obviously, and rightfully so, players are getting snatched from other clubs and, you know, it's ruining their systems and whatever they had. So ideally, you probably want to start, and like I said, my discussion with them was to start at, uh, you know, around 11 or 12 and just let that grow straight up. Yeah. And let the, that yeah. grow every year. And just feed it in under, underneath that system, you know. So, which means you're you're growing it organically, but you're not um, you're not bringing in six or seven teams straight up, and, and you're trying to you know facilitate them with resources, with grounds, with staff, with coaches, with everything. So, yeah. it's probably more of an organic way to, to build the build the ground from ground up. I suppose. And I suppose if you look at eleven and twelve year olds as being where you start in in five or six yeah. years, you, you're looking at guys that would should or should be. The elite of those guys should be feeding into your first team in about yeah. five years. Um, are yeah. you looking at, at more contact hours? I mean, like most NPL clubs train two, three times a week at most. Um, for a professional academy that's setting the bar a little higher, would it be yeah. like a five day a week training session with games at the weekend? Look, yeah, look, I, I think minimum of four. Um, then obviously it depends on. On facilities and whatever, but I think a minimum of four plus a game. I think that's probably where junior should be at. Yeah, I'm um, speaking to obviously I've dealt with foreign coaches um, in Adelaide, you know, German and Spanish, and yep. they were probably they were pretty pretty amazed that uh, there wasn't much more training going on with the um, youth teams and junior teams in um, in Australia. And yeah, they, you know, coming from those areas, that you know, it's football probably seven days a week, which is pretty full on, but um, it. it there's a reason, I suppose, why they develop the players they do. So, you know, that uh, that's probably a culture that they're used to. That they, you know, it's normal to them. It's probably still foreign to us training that much and um, yeah. pushing kids that hard. You know, we, we kind of. But you, you, 
you know yourself when you're overseas, um, you know, places like Spain, France, England, um, these kids are playing five days or seven days a week um, and, and it's not just two or three hours, it's five hours. I mean, you, you get pushed but you, you, don't get in, you don't get any better by watching on the TV or sitting at home doing nothing, you know. You've got to be out there with a the ball. Computer games, you're not going to get better playing computer games, that's for sure. But uh, yeah. yeah, you're right. They have their stock. I suppose they're like soccer schools, but they, you know, study in between the training sessions, and um, you know, it's it's built in, built up like that, which is, you know, part of their culture and it's normal to them. But uh, something like that's still probably foreign to us, and uh, probably needs to change if we want to change our culture. And Absolutely, it's a, long-term game. it's a generational change, I think. Mm. You know, and- we'd, we'd love to. Have to be have it fixed within you know five years, but I think it's a generational change. Unfortunately, it might be a, a longer game for everybody involved. That we you know we might not be I might not be part of it. You know, no. in twenty years time, but as long as the football's better by then, you know, I think it's got to start it. somewhere, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now you know, going into Japan, but you know they had their twenty yeah. year fifty year plans, and I think that's the way uh, we probably need to think. As well, you know, we, we, everyone wants instant results and instant crowds and the biggest crowds and ratings and all this sort of stuff. But yeah. I think we kind of just gotta maybe forget about it and forget talking about it. And let's just concentrate on building a football culture. And from a football operation manager's point of view, what's what's your thoughts on a transfer system? At the moment, there is no transfer system. But when you look at the the foreign markets, it's that transfer system that is driving those markets. The academies make money from driving that, that then they feed their academies with. Yeah, look, I don't see why there's no transfer system. I I, I thought that the PFA probably didn't want transfer system in place, so players are more freer to move around clubs, which they did, you know, and they do. So they can trade, yeah. you know. But the PFA complain that it's too free. I mean, we, we've got the highest amount of players on, on one-year contracts anywhere because of the lack yeah. of, yeah. Yeah, look, no, I agree. There's no issue with, I'm fully for transfer system. I think most clubs are because they're obviously investing in players and they don't want to lose them uh, for nothing. Um, but um, look, you know, with the with the uh, contracts, I, sometimes clubs do want most players on longer contracts, but it's the agents and the players themselves that want shorter contracts because that allows them to move freely and move overseas if opportunities arise without clubs putting a transfer fee on their head. You know, and, and they probably won't. And I've had it in my experience in Adelaide, players won't sign with you if you don't have you know maximum transfer fees in, your, in their contracts. Yeah, and I'll just look elsewhere because another club will give it to them. So it's a bit of a. I don't think it's solely the club's fault. There are agents and players out there that uh, do want to have that flexibility. Yeah, so, you know. If you watch Sunderland Till I Die, you can see what player agents do. They sometimes yeah. drive people out of clubs just purely chasing money, mm-hmm. um, which isn't yeah. a great thing. But there needs to be some balance, aren't they? Oh, it definitely needs to be a balance. definitely needs to be balanced. And uh, that's probably, look, I think, I think players probably need to be educated a bit more from a... Um, you know, probably talking to fellow players and not actually their agents because sometimes obviously agents want players to move because that's when they make the biggest uh, cut in transfer fees or, or contracts yeah. when they um, sign a new contract with a different club. So their their interests aren't for the player to stay at one club on a longer term contract. But uh, definitely needs to be a balance. Um, that's where you know players probably just need to see it for what it is. And look, Australia's not a bad place to play football. It's pretty comfortable for players. But um, yeah, I don't. I, I don't buy into all the moving. It yeah. seems to be happening all through junior system. There's a lot of moving. Players are, you know, I was a one junior club player throughout yeah. my whole youth career, and I don't think that's as common these days as it no. was. You know, no, and, and certainly not with the NPL. The NPL's driven player it's, movement. 
Now, we spoke about Mark Noble at West Ham, yeah. you know, being just a, a rare commodity. You don't see that happening anymore on turn. It's a shame because, uh, you know, uh, th- there is so much to gain uh, when you do, uh, you know, commit yourself to one club. But th- th- these days it's a, I won't call it a bit of a, a circus there, but it is when, when you're in the game of football, you've got to take what opportunities come along if, if the, you fall out of favour with the coach. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, no. I agree. I think that obviously, as you get into senior football, that's going to happen. Mm. You've got to look for opportunities to play. But I think, I think in the junior system, I think there's just too much moving. I think. Yeah. You know, there's surely you can. You know, you're going to create more friends, more connection to a club. Um, you know, a loyalty. You know, if it's a local club, you're there. You're nearby. It's, it's close to home. You're, yeah. You're, you're creating a. I think you're creating mm. a culture throughout clubs. But now, but then clubs are having tri- uh, trials every year. I don't yeah. know why clubs have trials. I don't know why. Uh, under 11 doesn't become the next group of under 12 the year after. Mm. Which, which is how it used to be, aren't they? I think there's the issue is, though, everyone's trying to, to outdo everybody in the NPL. I think yeah. when you, you look at it, the, the clubs like um, Glory and hopefully now Western United and, and others mm. should be having an elite academy where you do pick the best players from other academies because I think they're going to get the time on the ball and, and the level of training they need. Yeah. The, rest of us are, the rest of us are running community programs where yeah. the the players that will play in your state league will come from. Yeah. But, you, you know, you've got to be looking at the top end and these are, these are not just the kids who are good at football. And these yeah. are the kids who are dedicated to football, mm. who are prepared to hurt and bleed and, and do the hard things. Mm. And those little yeah. one percenters that make the mm. difference between being a state player who's, who's working for a living in, in electronics or whatever yeah. and yeah. A, a dedicated footballer who is prepared to do the hard yards. The only way you're going oh, to no, get no, that. No, no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah, obviously, if they come into that system, they're, they're there for the full time, full time, full term. You know, they're obviously looking for a professional career. But I think um, most, and credit to the community clubs. Obviously, they got there's a lot of good junior clubs out there. But I think um, you know the, pl- the the players themselves and their, their parents, whoever are taking them around all these different clubs every yeah. year, probably need to you know just focus on one club and have the have the player enjoy but, one club. And but, ideally, you, you know we want good coaches throughout. Yeah, you know, but your your journey from from childhood football to senior football was you know you've you've known kids were every bit as good as you some some even better than you who didn't make it through because of little Absolutely. bits and pieces not every kid that believes he's going to be the next messi will be not every parent who thinks their kid is going to be the next messi will have that child but this it's is not that easy we need we need to to look at the uh, and people selling a false dream well yeah uh, besides the false dream we need to set up a, a structure and it's got to come from our governing bodies where we do have a, a, a focus a direction call it district call it zonal yeah. exactly what the waffle football uh, does for their recruitment of juniors they actually identify the clubs that are the clubs who will be considered to be the development clubs who yeah. are the waffle teams, call us the NPL teams, and the kids that live in certain sectors or certain suburbs uh, are basically bound to those clubs. So I, but you, I you see don't that get that movement happening. It's They are loyal to that club because that's their, if they're going to be uh, professional footballers, that's their entry point. In a but also when you look at it, the, the professional clubs that are doing this yeah. should be able to seed it so that it's it's fee-free. They, they're paying, at the moment, the kids are paying horrendous amounts of money to play football at the elite level. Yeah. And really the club should be going, we're going to invest in you. Yep. And, and then... The, the talented children, irrespective of their income levels, get to play at the highest level. Yep. Yeah, exactly right. And I think that's, you know, there's opportunities to play, but I don't, you know, 
as uh, Donald was saying, if there was those district sort of regions like the Waffle does it and most AFL club, AFL states do it like that too. Mm. You know, there doesn't need to be a merry-go-round for all these players. I, I think it's, you know, the differences between a club, yeah, there might be some better, some worse, whatever, but it's not, it's, it's probably negligible in terms of the quality of football that they're getting, so, or coaching. Yeah. I think it's uh, important just to build that loyalty. And I think that builds a, a culture, you know, a club culture, a football culture. I think that's yeah. part of it. Well, well, so, we're talking about culture, and uh, I think since you've been at Florida Athena, you've definitely uh, put, put in place a, a very healthy culture for your players there. They're playing like uh, they enjoy their football. They, they go out there, and uh, it's actually uh, you know a, a well-organised team uh, full of uh, experience and, and youth. Uh, you've got to be happy yeah. with the start that the boys have uh, Put on in the in this early uh, early couple of rounds. Yeah, no, very very happy, John. Thanks for mentioning. Thanks for mentioning that. But um, look, I do want to. That's the way I play. That's I, I felt I wanted to enjoy the people I work with, players I played with, coaches. I want to enjoy the club that I'm playing for. You know, it's not a it's not a matter of you know chasing the dollar. It's, it is for some, but it's it's that that's what bring, I think that's what brings the best out of you. If you're enjoying yourself, you're you're going to be doing better on the field. And I, I feel the players doing that. And, Credit to them. It's been a joy working with them. It's not, um, you, know, you know, sometimes when you're you know, coming on a cold winter's night and comes yeah. to anger, you know, it's um, a bit of a pain. But ultimately, when you're, you know, when I'm around the boys and we, you know, get into training and you know, everyone's having fun and having a laugh, it's 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 part of it. It's part of the work. Yeah. It doesn't feel like work uh, when you're enjoying yourself. No, definitely it doesn't. I think, you know, when you look at the team you're walking into, you've got um, a couple of good kids in there in Aspro. You've got a couple of older kids in um, Bershart, Baressa, Boo, yeah. and, and and Diamante, who, you know, Don and I, li- lifelong West Ham fans, mm-hmm. um, loved it when he was wearing the claret and blue, and he's he's carrying on that, that just that guile that he has in the A-League, and he's looking fantastic for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, look, I think he's an entertainer. He's um, obviously yeah. at the end of his career, but I think he's an entertainer. He's obviously got a quality of football that uh, is rarely seen in, in Australia, or, you know, from Australians. So that, having that sort of colourful player is fantastic. Uh, obviously, we've got young Josh Rizzo, well, young, you know, senior Josh Rizzo there now as well. So uh, happy to work with him again. Yeah. Um, but that, it's getting that balance of, you know, experience, foreigners, local players, um, good Australian players, good senior Australians, you know, Barisha's. Bruce is a winner, regardless. I think if he played football in his backyard with the kids, he'll still want to win every single game he's played with. Competitive uh, that's, that's little bugger. He'll, he'll yeah. still, he'll still yeah. dive in the box in the back garden. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. he's... he's uh, yeah. Well respected, Barisha. He, uh, Where? We know what, we know what damage he can do. That's for sure. But yeah, uh, absolutely. Just uh, th- this game will be your last uh, last game, Monte, in charge of the Floriot team. Or uh, yeah, look, it looks like it. I'll have to travel to Sydney sometime during the week. Uh, the boys come out of uh, quarantine next Saturday and obviously play their first game Saturday night. So yeah, unfortunately, it should be my last game today against Belcada uh, with the boys. I might still be around Tuesday, depending on flights and everything. So. Um, but uh, yes, I'll um, hopefully go out on a winning note uh, as uh, as uh, as, a, as the coach of Florida Pena today. Any changes to the team from last week's um, impressive uh, win at, no, at Doring no, Gardens? No changes. No, no. So we've gone. Yeah, the last you know first two games were the same starting eleven, and today will be the same starting eleven as well. So boys yeah. are fit and healthy, which is good. Uh, a bit of consistency there. They understand uh, what's required. You know we. Had, had three practice games before this season kicked off, so um, I think the boys are pretty much well in tune with what's required at the uh, starting level and doesn't change. 
Marvellous. Ante, we could talk to you all morning about what's going on, but um, we've got a full show and we need to get on to the next guest. So thank you very much for this morning and best of luck for the future, mate. I know Western United are a very ambitious club and I think they've got the right man in place to, to set up what they need in the, in the back room to, to have a successful enterprise. Yeah, appreciate that, guys. Obviously, you know, working full time in football is, you know, always a dream, and I've done it, and I still want to do it. But I must say, yeah, there is a you know, touch of uh, disappointment leaving the boys at Florida and the club and, and the players, because it's been enjoyable working with them, and um, I'm hoping they uh, have continued to have success uh, when I'm gone. I'm Thanks. sure they will. Yeah, you've you've definitely turned it around for the club. So uh, well done on the job done there, and best wishes on the job at hand uh, over in Western uh, with Western United. Good luck, Ante. Cheers, gents. Thanks. See you. Ante um general manager of Western United and um, oh, someone who dispels the myth of, of a dumb football player. No, he's, got he's, a, he's a true pro. Well, know. his degree's in yeah. IT and yep. everything. You know, he's, he's, a, he's yeah. a smart man. Yeah, no, the, the way he goes about his business, um, very uh, methodic and uh, well thought out. So, no, good, good guy and... Uh, It'll be sad to see him go, but I'm sure Florit will uh, find a, a worthy replacement. Oh, look, I'm, I'm sure they will. And, and knowing Florit, they've already got that person in mind and in place. And, you know, I know they've got um, Ante's assistant is running things at the moment. And who knows, that might be the, the long-term plan. But... Yeah, that's uh, Vasvisic, who's... Yeah. Um, Pretty much uh, a goalkeeper uh, w- with his uh, background, being uh, being a, a, a club keeper for Florent, so he's he's definitely a club man at heart. But it'll be interesting to see who uh, comes in t- into the fill the big shoes of Ante. They are very big shoes to fill, and look, I think it's it's great that he's he's got the recognition that he deserves. And you know, look, like most of the guys of his ilk, they want to work in football. They want to make a career out of it. There's very few opportunities. You got to take them when they come. Yep. Hundred percent, absolutely. All right, now talk about someone who's had a, a career in football. We'll go to a break, and we'll be back after these with Normo. Do you want better strata management? Put Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. We provide value for money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly. And we provide prompt professional service with 30 years experience, which is why our clients recommend us. Your property is our concern. See prosperitystratamanagement.com.au Station Sponsor. West Coast Futsal Association has social competitions at Hollywood Futsal Club in West Perth and the Mount Lawley Futsal Club. Competitions are open for new players looking for a kick around with mates from Monday to Friday. For those looking at high level futsal, there is the Junior Leagues in Karanjap on weekends and the Male and Female Super League competitions based in Subiaco. For more information, contact Brittany on 0481 881343. FM, your local station. Now, Don, it's a wonderful day for football out there and the 
Did Magic. he won games? Uh, some cracking games out there today for there are. And fans. to set to set the scene before we talk to uh, the great man uh, Graham Normanton, uh, we'll go through the uh, just a, a little insight as to how the ladder looks in the early days with four clubs undefeated in Western Knights, Forestfield, Kingsway Olympic, and Quinns FC all starting the the year with a rush. And then uh, in the middle, uh, one uh, we got Junlup, UWA, Fremantle City, and Mandra all with one win. And then the boys who are looking to get their first win is Sterling Lions, Subiaco, Ashfield and Swan United making up the uh, the bottom four. But uh, the the round this week is uh, real tasty. The game of the round has to be Forestfield United taking on Quinns FC yep. at uh, at Forestfield's home ground. The Fremantle City taking on Mandra City, Kingsway Olympic and Ashfield. That, that's for your boys. Uh, you, you need to uh, show a bit of form there, I think, Sean. <laughs> and uh, Sterling Lions, much the same at home, winless uh, up against Junglup United. Western Knights against UWA, which will uh, be a, uh, a good test for the Knights at home, and Swan United uh, taking on the Subiaco AFC. But um, great to have you back on uh, on air, Graham. Uh, it's been a long time coming. How you been, mate? Yeah, pretty well, thanks, John. How have you been? Uh, keeping healthy, staying out of trouble, and uh, you know, you know how I am, Graham. Always enjoying well, it. Used to, used to. You're all staying out of trouble. Don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, you, if you talk to the wife, she'll she'll just shake her head and say, "No, this bloke always enjoys being in trouble." But uh, on a, on a brighter note, your boys this year have uh, definitely hit the ground running with um, two solid wins in uh, a tight one against Subiaco away from home, and then uh, a good uh, uh, kicker where you, you beat UWA at home three um, one. How, how's it looking for the club so far? Yeah, we've gone well done, to be honest with you. The two games we've played of um, the scoreline didn't really reflect the game. I mean, um, we were so dominant against Subiaco, it wasn't funny, but uh, we conceded two penalties, well, dubious penalties from that, but anyway, we'll, we'll go into that one. <laughs> um, and uh, which made the scoreline closer than it should have been because uh, in terms of football, we, um, we dominated the game totally from start to finish. So... Um, yeah, we've we've done well. The boys have um, have really trained well for over the last eight weeks now, and um, bought into the philosophy and what I've asked of them. And uh, yeah, they're uh, producing some good football. And um, you know, I'm not going to change my philosophy for philosophy for anybody. I just want the want the boys to play good football and to be uh, a team that's worth watching. What sort of side have you assembled for this season, Graham? Uh, a lot of uh, boys from the previous year, or have you brought in new players to uh, bolster the squad? Well, we've signed um, the two notable signings, I suppose, are um, Trent Kay um, from Bearswater and yep. Ben Wanty we signed from Dundalup. Um All the other boys have either came in um, on a trial basis, or they were here from last year. So there's not uh, there's not too many different faces from last year, to be honest. And um, you know, I'm not the sort of coach who does a clear out wherever it goes. I'll work with what I've got and bring in one or two players that I think's needed, and um, work with a nucleus of a squad. So all the Forestfield boys that have been here for years are still here. Yeah, they've got a, a very good junior development system there at, at Forestfield. So, and I know because I was at the club myself years ago that the ambition is to feed those players through. So, you know, the the backbone of those those sides, your your 18s, reserves, and first team have, have all got a strong core of Forry boys in there, which is good to see. 
Yeah, well, the um, it's something that I think um, I think Forestfield have got probably more than many other clubs in terms of their structure and and their community. And I think uh, what what I'm trying to get the club to to understand is to, that the the huge potential that this place has. Um, and you talk about juniors, yeah, they've got they've got a massive number of juniors and massive number of teams. What I'm trying to talk to the club about is setting up a a program that will that will fast track some of these kids into senior football and and get them up to the right standards and uh, set up you know for want of a better phrase academies or development programs that will get these kids up to speed. Yeah. Um, and I, I think what we've got to build at a club like Forestfield is is a sustainable model. You know, <clears throat> they're not a club that's got squillions of dollars to throw at players which other clubs have got um, and you know as a coach you're constantly talking to players about signing players about you know some of the better players in the league because you think if you get a few quality players that you might get to the top of the league but um, you know the, 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 the players that you talk to are talking about the money they've been offered by the clubs and we simply can't match that so no. and nor would I want to no exactly to, to be honest I think yeah I think it's a disgrace what's been offered to players by you know, clubs because nobody's worth the sort of money that these guys are getting paid in this league. And um, no. I, I, I don't think that they're that much better than my players, for instance. And I think um, I think it'll be proven in the results, to be honest with you. But um, yeah. you know what I'd like to think that we could do with Forestville is build a sustainable model through development of our players. Obviously, you're not going to... Um, have every player come through your ranks, but you develop majority of players through your ranks and, and have a sustainable club and give the players more than just money to to keep them at the club, you know? Oh, um, absolutely. There's got, there's got to be a whole range of things, culture, opportunity and other things. I think, you know, the, the money you talk about being um, offered to players is silly money, but also it's outside the bounds of the National Registration Guidelines, which is, is another problem. Um You've got a very good president in Mark Twamley. He's he's very um, adventurous. I see in the in the papers the other day, he's approached the council about having Forestfield as one of the training venues for the Women's World Cup. So you know he's very strategic. He's always thinking ahead. So I imagine you you've got the the full backing of your board in in what you're doing. Well, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, um... The, uh, yeah, I mean, Mark is, you know, is always spoken to us about you know being a training venue and uh, for the uh, for the World Cup, and that's that's something that we you know we're ambitious enough to go for, and I think we have the facilities for it. But you know, to to get a team here or a country to train here or two countries to train here, then the the venue would need to be upgraded in terms of its surface, its yeah. lighting. Probably it's probably it's changing facilities and things like that would need to be upgraded. So there's a fair bit of work got to go on before that can happen. Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean we're ambitious enough to go down that track, and I think that's where the council have got to come in and get on board and and, and promote it and and really look at how we're going to fund the the improvements that are needed to be able to get to where we need to be. Absolutely. But, I mean. You know that's that's one that's a one-off tournament. If we're honest, and it's it's a massive opportunity for a promotion of football, never mind just women's football or football in general in this state, and a massive opportunity for the for the Calamunda Shire to to promote Forestfield 
yeah, and soccer in in Shire as well. So, but I, but I think in the yeah, game in yeah, the game in general, though, Norma, when we had the the Women's Asian Cup here, we we missed an opportunity to develop grounds. And what you're talking about is vitally important. This World Cup, we take advantage of it. Mark's already on the lead edge of this. Is to use that as a means of developing our local grounds to a, to a higher standard, so that the bringing the Women's World Cup to this country isn't just about the World Cup itself. It's about lifting the game at all levels. Now, as a coach in Divi One, you can't tell me you wouldn't want a better surface and you wouldn't want better lighting and you wouldn't want better change rooms because they're all good for everybody in the club, not just the the women who train there for the World Cup, your team, the under-18s that play in that main park, the amateurs that play there on the weekend. Everybody benefits by those improvements in your facility. Well, I think think, uh, think you're right that everybody benefits, but I think... If we look at the bigger picture as a whole, I mean, what do we want to do as a sport? Where do we want to go as a sport? And how are the clubs going to get improved things? And you can't just shove money into the back pockets of a player. No. You know, and that and that's and that's the problem we've got at the moment. There's a lot of clubs are throwing a lot of money at players and now can't develop their club because the players are getting all the money. And um, you know, to be honest with you, it's not just. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to sound stupid here, but it's it's a worldwide problem because yep. if you look at all the clubs in the UK, mm. every one of them are on the verge of bankruptcy, but all the players are multi, multi, multi-millionaires, which mm. is absolutely ridiculous. Oh, you, you've got so, 18-year-old you know, apprentices in, in, in Ferraris. Yes, yes, I know what you mean. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yep. yeah, it's, yeah so, you know, we've got, we've got the cart before the horse in a lot of ways, but and I, that's what I was talking about earlier, is building a sustainable club. Yep. In terms of the quality of our football, the quality of our programs, but also the quality of the ground, the quality of the lights, the quality of changing rooms, that's all got to be taken care of if the game in 30 years' time is going to be where it should be. Yep. And where it should be in this state is we should be almost professional. Mm. And um, we're not um, going to become professional unless we have the facilities. And we shouldn't be afraid of becoming be professional. Well, we seem to be. Yeah, we shouldn't be though. We, we should be. we should be engaging that and, yeah. and driving the professionalism. And at the moment, you know, it, it's the old brown paper bag um, outside of the system. And we should engage the system, and we should be paying players what they are worth. Um, and ideally, the sort of money that's been paid now is to develop a player that's worth that money, rather than just giving it to him because somebody else will. Well, the thing is, you've got clubs that have got some rich people involved in them who are able to pay players yeah. maybe out of their own pocket. But if they if they want a return on that dollar, they'd be so, they'd be much better off in, in putting in, in into a club where they're gonna set up and be sustainable for a long period of time. Not just as long as that guy or the, that two or three people are backing the club. Once they pull the money out, what is that club gonna do? So, you know, the club's gotta be a sustainable model and that's that's my point, is the Forest Field have got a big community. Mm. And what I'd like to see at the Forest Field is the whole community support the club, the whole Forest Field community, as in the Forest Field Football Club community, support the club to get it to the top of football in WA. And it's possible. Mm. It's very possible, and it can be possible in the next three or four years if if the, club could, if the club's population could embrace the club and support the club you know, five dollars out of each member would would just about do it. Yeah. And you and you think, well, if, you, if each member came and bought a hamburger at the club on a on a Saturday when we're playing at home, mm. 
that would just about fill the coffers enough to, to for us to be able to become a sustainable club yep. and be able to develop the club on the playing side and also on the administration side and the facility side. Yeah. The other thing that I think clubs have got to do as well is if we we you hear a lot about these private coaches and private coaching academies. Well, that's all that's doing is taking money out of the game. Mm. The clubs should actually be doing that themselves, where they're doing the academies and doing the, the coaching. But you see, the people who are doing these private coaching courses use that as their as their main source of income, and so therefore they're charging a fair old dollar for it. Whereas when the clubs do it. It needs to be administered. It needs somebody on a full-time basis to be able to administer it. And therefore, that needs wages. Yeah. And what the clubs don't have is, is that infrastructure in place where people will take a job on like that and or the clubs will even pay somebody yeah. full-time to do it. What they're expecting is a voluntary situation, which won't work, which, once again, is unsustainable. So the clubs need to develop a place where they can they can develop their own academies, yeah. and they're the ones who benefit financially and also by the players. Well, I think you know, so there's all that sort of stuff to worry about. I look at it slightly differently in as much as I agree with you that the clubs should be running those um, academies that are run by private people. The the money would still go the same way that those people would still uh, make a profit. You know, if I was to engage you as a coach full-time to run an academy, you should be properly remunerated. And you're you're paid on the performance that you have. And I don't think any parent has a problem with that. Mm. I think the problem we have at the moment is you've got to pay for an NPL club and then you go out to one of these agencies and pay the same money again to be trained by a different agent who's got a different coaching philosophy. And it should all be encapsulated in one in one team. And this is why I talk about professionalism, is that professionalism is run through the club and the club is setting up a coach who's not just a, a technical coach for football, but he's also in some ways a lifestyle coach and teaching these kids what it's going to take for them to take the next step, whether that be state league, NPL, or professional football. Mm. Look, I think the, the well, problem... The, sorry, Graham. I just wanted sorry, to add uh, yeah. that the, the problem is that we've all been waiting for a business plan for football to be put out by our governing body so that we all have a plan to work from. So if you're going to run your clubs in that professional manner where you have, have the responsibility to run them as businesses yeah. and make them effective, you must have a, a, a statewide plan that we can all work under. Until that's put mm-hmm. up... We're still talking about the same stuff we spoke about 10, 20 years ago, Graham. Well, I think, I think you're right, Don, but at the end of the day, the club's in charge of its own affairs. I and agree. The club can set, the, set, up, set yeah. up themselves to do to professionally or unprofessionally, whatever they want to do. And I think, um, you know, I, I think if we stand around and wait for Football West to do it, it ain't going to happen. No, exactly. So, you, you know, it, so, you know the, the clubs have got to set their own standards and be... Um, be proactive in, in doing these things. And it's not easy. It's not an easy thing to do. You know, you, you talk about, you know, Mark works in the police force. Yeah. He has a full-time 40, 50, 60-hour-a-week job, and he's trying to be president of a football club. Mm. So, you know, there's the, it, it's totally voluntary. Yeah. And the time that it's needed to set these things up is is very, very difficult for a volunteer to do. And that's where, that's where the difficulty comes in. But my point about these private consortiums, mm. it takes the money out of the game. Yep. It goes into somebody's profit 
it's a, the, the, the profit and loss account in a business mm. that is not involved in football. Mm. So all they're, all they're involved in is themselves setting up business to make themselves some money, which is obviously, yeah, they're talking about improving football players, but that should be the job of the club, and the club should do that, and then the club would benefit from it. You're talking about, Sean, paying me as a coach to run it. Yeah. That's fine. But my, I wouldn't be taking every cent out of that program as a coach, I'd be getting remunerated for my services, and the club would make hopefully a profit, which is called professionalism. But, but again, Graham, you've been around this game a long time. There's all this thing about you know clubs paying or, or charging huge fees for juniors to fund their senior um, wage bill. How many clubs have you been at where that's happened? I, I think most clubs invest all that money back into their children and into their, their junior academies. I don't know any coach that's, that's made it rich coaching or any player that's made it rich for, from a, a child's program. Oh, look, I don't think I don't, I don't think you make it rich as a coach in this state, that's no. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I, I, think I'm, I think I'm probably the example of that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's uh, there's no way you can get you can make a lot of money out of football here, and you know, but the the money that you're talking about being paid to an individual player, I mean, is almost a living wage in a lot of cases, and you sort of all hang on a minute, he's doing six hours a week. Yeah. You know, he, and and what's he giving back to the club apart from an hour and a half on a Saturday? Yeah. You know, so you sort of think, well, what are the clubs return for that? Because if they actually win the league. The win, well, if you win the state league, for instance, I think you're about five grand. Yeah, exactly. But it's just cost, it just cost you a hundred grand to win it. And and that player that you've yeah. just paid all that money to gets a sniff of fifty bucks more, and he's gone. Oh, ten dollars more, mate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now some players will move. Some players will move for ten. <laughs> we we but mentioned earlier. Um, we mentioned earlier about the, the women's game. Um, I know yourself, you're, you're also very involved in the women's game um, through a, another club other than Forest Field. Um, and I've had yeah. some commentary about your ability to run the line. And uh, Bill, <laughs> Bill Busby said that the next time you're at Ashfield, you need to listen to the balcony a little more. <laughs> hey, look, look, there's no such thing in my case of running the line. Well, I'll, yeah, I'll walk it. I'll walk it. I certainly won't it's, run it. You're, you're the, you're the big, Johnny, Johnny Cash song. I'll walk the you're, line. You're Johnny Cash of football. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like it. Look, man, I'm I'm the only. I might I might walk it, but I'm probably the only the only linesman that stays in line with the last defender, second last defender. So <laughs> I don't. No, but it's nice to see that that you you know, given where you've been and what you've done, yeah. you're still not above picking up a flag and, and running a, a line on the Sunday for, for one of the women's teams. You know, and it, there's this side of you that people don't see or know about. Well, the thing is, Sean, it's about it's about the game. Yeah. Nobody's bigger than the game, and it's uh, it's helping the game become better. And you know, I mean, I have an input at, at my daughter's team with some of the girls there and some of the some of their. The, the way they play and all of that and I've coached them in the past and I'll put sessions on for them and do all of that No, like you say nobody sees that yeah. I mean um, I've had some African lads who were who training down at Kingsway ask me to put some sessions on there and I've told them I will yeah. um, they just get together and with themselves and just do some skill sessions and stuff like that and um, I was walking my dog out there one day and uh, there they were and I knew three or four or half a dozen of them and I was chatting to them and I said I'd come down and put some sessions on for them so I'm going to go and do that 
you know, and I, I don't get any remuneration for all that sort of stuff, and I don't want it. No, you know, I, uh, I don't want. I don't want. We don't want remunerated for that sort of stuff. You know, those. Yeah. To me, the game is about is for every kid, not the ones who can afford it. Yep. Yeah. And um, you know, I'd rather help somebody become a better footballer mm-hmm. for nothing than get paid a million dollars for helping, you know, Johnny Smith's kid become a mediocre footballer. Yep. Mm, that, so yeah. it's um, it's something I have a passion for, and I still think I have a lot to offer the game. As much as people think I'm an old dinosaur. I'm, I'm actually a student of the game and I study the game and I'm up with all the latest, you know, all the latest ways of playing and the latest coaching things. The only, the only thing that lets me down is the IT side of it. <laughs> and, uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, that's my that's my age where I am an old dinosaur. Yeah, I've got Ante Kovacevic's number. He's an IT guru, mate. That's I'll... right. Yeah, Ante will help you out on that level. I've got no idea as well, Norma. I'm challenged uh, in that uh, that area as well, uh, mate. Has he, has he got enough time? <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. You know what's uh, exciting about today's clash between uh, the two clubs in uh, Forestfield and Quinns is you've got two absolute uh, gems of coaches in uh, ex-Perth Glory coach Ian Ferguson yeah. who's done marvellously well with the Quinns uh, 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 call it resurgence as a club and uh, and yourself Graham who uh, you know you he pretty much won every uh, title that there, w- w- there was to win in WA. So just watching you two boys go head-to-head uh, will be something special, and uh, let alone the action on the park. So I encourage everyone uh, who's down well, that way. One thing I do know, John, that the, uh, the crowd will have to be loud to be heard above us. <laughs> <laughs> it's always loud in Forestfield. Uh, no, you, <laughs> your, your dulcet tone has never mellowed. You, you've only got louder, Graham. That's what we love. So it's 1620 Capital Stadium today at Hartfield Park, uh, that's the place to be for everyone who wants to come yes, and see. That's it, yeah. yeah, brilliant. Well, yeah. I would encourage all the, all the Forestfield members to get down here and um, yeah, get behind the club and cheer the team on, really, and, you know, and see a good game of football because it will be and it'll be yeah. interesting. Because uh, I know I know how Fergie wants to play, and I've I've seen his teams play, and I don't know what he's going what he's got up his what sleeve. What he's going to do? So. Yeah, it'll be no, it'll be it'll be it'll be good fun. That's what the game's about at the end of the day, especially especially this season. Um, so you know, it's, uh, there's no pressure on anybody to win any games of football. So I've just told my players to go out there and enjoy play it. the right way and express themselves and enjoy it. Absolutely, no. So, Good Best start. of luck this afternoon, Graham. Thank yep. you very much for being on. Yeah, and, good to have you back on here, mate. It's been uh, a long time coming. And and you so, may be you may be a dinosaur. You may be a dinosaur, but like the crocodile, you're still here and you will still be here in the future. I think there's <laughs> many moves to come. <laughs> they're going to have carry off the park first, for, feet first, before you stop coaching. Uh, well, listen, Sean, I've told my, I've told my grandkids I'm going to live till I'm 105, so you've got a lot of lot left of me yet. <laughs> I've, I've told mine I'm immortal, and so far, so good. <laughs> Let's keep it that way, boys. Take all, care. All the best, Graham. Good luck, mate. All right, mate. All the best, guys. Take See care. You. Thanks a lot. Bye. Graham Normanton, very relaxed and um, yeah, yeah, good to have him back. You know, yeah. giving his forthright opinions as as Graham always does. Uh, He's never know. shy of an opinion. Nah, never. Nah. And uh, you know, uh, love him, hate him. Uh, but you must respect him because he he's a giver to the game. He's absolutely he not a taker. And we we talked earlier about the the different approaches that coaches have to the to the season. Um, he's just said you know his teams go out there and enjoy it. Yep. Um, other teams uh, are very much. Um, Geared towards winning the league, Western Knights last week were, were very much geared towards winning the league. Yep. Um, you talked about 
um, Ashfield, we've taken a very different approach this Development year. year. Yep. We, we talked about kids having an opportunity to play in the first team. Yeah, um, sixteen-year-old goalkeeper last week. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, he came. He was a substitute. He yep. played the 18s game. He played the reserves game. <laughs> the go- first-team goalkeeper, who himself is only eighteen, yep. got got injured. So then he's had to go on wow. and played well. But there was a number of 16 and 17 and 18-year-olds in that squad who've never played first team before. Yep. The first week against Joondalup, there was um, Joondalup a very physical side, as you'd expect. Yep. Um, and they struggled to cope with that. I think last week they coped with the physicality better. Yep. It was only just before half-time before Knight scored. Yep. Um, and then after that, it started to, to wear them down a little bit. But at the expense of their flair game, they're, they're technically – very, very good players, yep. and they are learning how to cope this league. Now, at the end of this season, yeah, they'll, they'll, be for it. they'll be ready for it. And that's we talk about giving people opportunities. That's what we're about this year. Yep. With, with a season with no consequence, I would much rather be in my position with a 16-year-old goalkeeper than a 42-year-old goalkeeper. Absolutely. You, you, the future is ahead. But, um, yeah. Sean, I'll quickly do the state second division Absolutely, as well, yeah. where... Uh, in that league, it's uh, an interesting uh, tale of two cities, Canning City and Wanneroo City at the top undefeated. And then it's lots of teams who have won one game. Kingsley Westside, the newcomers, third. Dianella, fourth. Uh, Gosnells, fifth. Morley Windmills, sixth. Tundalup City, seventh. Murdoch University, Melville. Mum in eighth. And Caramar Shamrock Rovers in ninth. Kelmscott Roos in tenth. All with three points, one, get one victory each. And uh, winless at the moment. Curtin University and Balga and uh, this this week's games are Kingsley Westside taking on Curtin University, uh, Dianella White Eagles taking on Wanneroo City, Mum taking on Balga, Karamar Shamrock Rovers taking on Kelmscott, Gosnell City against Joondalup City and Morley Woodmills at home against Canning City. So that's uh, the state uh, state. Division two, which um, you know is always competitive, Sean. Every it's every getting one of the more leagues. competitive yeah. every year, and I think you know this is the whole point that the we talked about the glory taking the best players out of the system when they first came in. Mm. A lot of those players have come back now into the MPL, and that's forced other players down through the leagues. So all the leagues are becoming stronger, and you know I think we're the. The promotion relegation that's between all those leagues has just made it a lot stronger again. So it's it's a, a very competitive league, Division 2. certainly is. And, and uh, the, we've got the NPL. NPL. Well, I'll, do, you, do you want me to do the NPL women's? Cause, yes, wow, please. That is so – I mean, that's almost like the uh, the new kids on the block, Perth Soccer yep. Club. Ne- never been in the women's league uh, for a while or haven't been uh, at, at the top level. Uh, and now on top of the ladder uh, with six points. Uh, so Perth Soccer Club – on top, Hyundai, NTC, women on four, uh, Mum on three, Fremantle City on three, Northern Redbacks on three, Balcatta on three, Curtin Uni on one, and uh, on Stone Motherless, zero is Subiaco. And uh, the uh, fixtures for this week are very, very tasty. There's some uh, some good, uh, good games happening here. Once they come up on screen, we'll just get these thing happening shortly. For some reason, it didn't want to come up, Sean. Hang on. But, you know, you look at that league table, who would have thought that Balcatra and Redbacks would be where they were? You know, they've been the powerhouses in, in women's football to date. They have. And, I mean, look, you know, 
full credit to person, uh, soccer club for uh, basically taking it uh, seriously and saying, well, you know, we're going to, we are going to do something here in football, and uh, we 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 want to make a statement, and they've done it. So uh, I'll come back to those fixtures for some reason. They're not loading up, but I'll yeah, give no you those. Worries. And in the NPL, um, in the men's NPL, where where it's uh, very very uh, early days, but exciting in in respect of uh, all the. Tussles, Gwellup, who, who are the new kids on the block, uh, they're taking on the Perth Glory, who um, who had their first win last week, convincing uh, victory, and they'll be smarting because the last time they met, Gwellup gave them a bit thumped. of a touch-up. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So this is uh, this is uh, a chance for Glory to uh, show that they're better than that that game. Uh, that that'll be at Quillup's home ground. Uh, Perth Soccer Club taking on Coburn. That should be a. Pre- I mean, after last week's results with Coburn knocking off Bayesian and, and Perth basically being undermanned, they had a few a uh, few senior players missing last week, so they'll be hoping to get back to winning ways. But that that one there just anything's looks like possible. Anything's possible. <laughs> ECU June up the the uh, we call it the uh, chip. Uh, Cup, which, yeah. which has been played down at the campus at ECU, where June Lup taking on Sorrento. Uh, lots and lots of rivalry, rivalry there between the northern uh, suburbs. Uh, uh, British-based clubs, we'll call it, the uh, Little England sector. And, and to see uh, a picture of Kenny Lowe with one of his players who's headed to Charlton. I mean, ECU have yeah. a bad habit of doing this. Yeah, well, that's just, you know, I mean, they, ha- they are a development stream, yeah. aren't they? Uh, Bayswater back at home against Inglewood, the uh, Battle of the Collie Brothers, so that'll be uh, a, a real uh, big, uh, uh, well, six-pointer for whoever takes it. But yeah. again, an arm wrestle, that one there. Balcata taking on Athena. Balcata at home always hard to beat. Um, not 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 an easy beat. So Athena will have to be at their best to get over Balcata. But um, an emotional best because this will be the last game they play well, for Ante. I'm sure they'd want to send uh, Ante off with a yeah. win. So uh, yeah, you'd have to favour Athena there. But um, Rockingham uh, at home against Armadale, they've had a horrendous start. Rockingham conceded 11 goals in two games, I'm sure. And Armadale have had an impressive start there, to the they, season. Yeah, they, they, were, they were impressive against Athena. They, they got beaten 3-1, but yeah. it, there wasn't much in that game. Uh, and then they you know, uh, knocked off Balcatter at home last week, which um, you know showed that they uh, Armadale are going to be thereabouts. And talking to John O'Reilly, um, he, he's pretty pumped to uh, get Armadale thinking about being a top four, top six club. So, uh, you know, um, I'd, I'd imagine Armadale in the southern battle will uh, will be a bit too strong there for, for Rockingham. So that's, um, that's... The thing is, though, on a day like today with that pitch bit on the seaward side, it gets very, very cold. It's not an easy place to go. Well, the, you know, you talk about home ground advantage. Yeah. You can't get any more than that, can you? But um, uh, the women's, here we go, the... Uh, the fixtures for the women's we're just loading up now and for round three it's Curtin University taking on Balcatta at uh, that that game is at Edinburgh Oval at, at the Curtin campus on Sunday uh, sorry Saturday three three o'clock uh, Perth Soccer Club the big clash actually it's a double header at Perth Soccer Club today they've got the the, the men on at 3 o'clock yes. and then straight after at 5 o'clock another great initiative the main game Perth. yeah the main game against mum so yeah. uh, that'll be a great tussle uh, Northern Redbacks on Sunday 3pm at Kingsway Reserve taking on Fremantle City that'll be a cracking game and Subiaco uh, AFC hoping to get their first win against a very very tough Hyundai NTC women so that, that 
that'll be a tough day at the office for Subiaco tomorrow at uh, Rosalie Park. We wish all the ladies well. Absolutely. Um, I remember hearing or reading somewhere the, the Perth coach um, – Who's an ex-Glory player? She was saying that um, it was nice to have the MPL as a warm-up game for the for the main game in in the evening. <laughs> uh, I love the attitude. Very cheeky. I love it. Yeah, yeah it's great. <laughs> all right, um, we're going to go to a break. We'll be back after this with Derek Pollock, and we'll be talking all things EPL, which Don and I are very happy to do right now. Mm. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au Please don't fence me in Hi, I'm Louis Prospero, Chair of the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia. We're the first sporting Hall of Fame formed in Australia in 1996. The Hall of Fame recognises outstanding individuals in football in Western Australia. Join legends such as Sandra Brecknell, Julius Reed and Gareth Navin at our next Hall of Fame event to celebrate 25 years coming up in 2021. Find us on Facebook and on the web as the Football Hall of Fame, Western Australia keep up to date with events and regular stories from our team of journalists and committee members. The Football Hall of Fame, Western Australia, recognising the Western Australia football community. Okay, um, that was a couple of ads. And on the line now we have Derek Pollock, who is our man and guru for the EPL. Good morning, Derek. How are you? Sorry, Sean, struggling to hear. Yeah, good day, <laughs> good day mate. How are you? Ah, very much better. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. How are you? Good. Um, before we get into the EPL, a little bit of, um, Asia, oh, sorry, the, the European Champions League news. I was, been seeing all the the fans around the UK system celebrating. You know, Liverpool have been celebrating that night in Istanbul. You've had um, Chelsea that night in Barcelona <laughs> and Man City that day in court. So, um, could see how that one was going. Yeah, but you know, no, never let the truth get in the way of a good rumor. Um, fantastic decision for City. I don't know what it says to everybody else about financial fair play and some of the, the shenanigans that go on in the background of clubs, but um, your thoughts, obviously, as a Man City fan, you'd be ecstatic. Uh, yeah, well, well, Man City will be, yeah, be very pleased with that. I mean, they've, they've said all along that they're innocent. Um, I, in, in reality, I highly doubt they are, but um, <laughs> the, the Court of Arbitration of Sport has ruled that they are. Um, but again, they've, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where they've ruled that all of UEFA's allegations are either not established, so there's not enough proof that they've actually done what they said they did, or that they're time-barred, because UEFA have a statute of limitations on most of their rules, and so they brought this up too late. Um, but most of it, um, I haven't read the actual final um, wording from the CAS, but most of it, I believe, was not established, i.e. not proven. Yeah, so I know, but my... That means that... 
Yeah, go on. Say it again, sorry? No, you keep going. Oh, well, it just means that, yeah, um, all the, the, the team in fifth, so at the moment, Man United could have been looking at an entry into Champions League, but now have to qualify the hard way. Oh, that sucks to be them, doesn't it? Um, my my <laughs> mum always said, you know, cheats never prosper, but, you know, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but at the end of the day, it's 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 probably one of those things where I mean, it, it only came to light anyway because of hacked emails from the club. So, um, yeah, there, there are feelings uh, from from City that, that maybe this is justice, but then there's feelings from a lot of Europe that this is perhaps um, the death knell for any um, reality or any any further implications of financial fair play across across Europe. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's only problem when you get caught, I suppose. Um, but that's enough about that's enough about <laughs> we, that. We're, we talk about the law for the rich, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Now you, we're coming into the pointy end, and and some of that stuff at the top end is still vitally important. That mm. fifth place, which was um, obviously a Champions League spot at one point, is now not going to be. That makes the remaining couple of games for teams like Manchester United, Chelsea, mm. um, vitally important. Yeah, the, the final run into the end of the season is, is going to be huge because there is now two two places left uh, to qualify for the Champions League. Chelsea are in one of them, Leicester are in the other, and then United are sort of on the outside looking in, yeah. uh, which means that the final game of the season is United versus Leicester. So that could very well be the decider of, of who gets the Champions League place. Um, Leicester are currently in it only on goal difference. They've had a, pr- a pretty abysmal project restart they were looking good before the coronavirus shut down but since then um they've won two out of their last five games yeah and, as opposed and, to man united who have been steamrolling people and and currently you know the chelsea just one point above them on 63 and no certainties either correct and uh, look i'll put a spoiler, yeah, no, absolutely I'll, and I'll, I'll put a spoiler alert out there derek that uh, west ham who uh, basically are almost safe now i believe um could 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 uh, knock off Man United at home. We've done it before where we've upset the party. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's probably um, for Chelsea and Leicester, they probably like the fixtures the way it is. Mm. If, um, if, if it was Leicester and then West Ham for United, um, West Ham would be mathematically safe, you'd think, yep. by uh, the last game of the season. However, as, I mean, they're as good as mathematically safe, but... Mm there is still that lingering shadow of doubt in their mind. So they'll definitely be wanting to go out there against United and really make sure um, that they leave nothing to chance yep. and at least get a point to make them mathematically safe. So it's definitely a good time for Leicester and Chelsea uh, to have Hammers playing United. And Leicester face up to uh, a Tottenham, Tottenham that's sort yeah. of resurging, uh, you know, flexing, flexing the muscle for next year, as they always do. Yeah, I mean, United are looking reasonably good because if they, if they can beat United, mm. West Ham rather, um, they've got Leicester, you know, so it's in their hands. If yeah. United win their two games, they're in. But Chelsea have got quite an interesting game given they've got Liverpool mm. who have dropped off a touch, um, but then they've got Wolves. And if there's one team that is set to beat or is, is designed to beat a team like Chelsea, it is Wolves. Yeah. You know, Chelsea have been quite weak and quite susceptible to effective counter-attacking opportunities. And that's really Wolves' bread and butter there is get the ball forward nice and quickly, get a armature in behind the defence. Um, so, you know, that they are the team that is designed to beat a team like Chelsea. We'll see how that goes, though. Yeah, no, that's uh, definitely the, the the case. But uh, on the Monday night game, I think Tottenham and Leicester will be uh, – that that's going to be a, a real test for Leicester. Um, if, if they can't uh, get a result at Tottenham, I'd say uh, United's favoured to, to jump them. 
Yeah, I, oh yeah. If Leicester can't get it, yeah, get a result against Tottenham, then I think that just about just about seals it for them. Uh, because then Man United can do what they do best, which is again yeah. block it all up, That's sit it. behind, and then and then counterattack at that lightning speed. That's hmm. it. That's Absolutely. It. Now you're also the coach at the uh, Sterling Lions women's team, so I believe that uh, your girls Correct. are performing well, and uh, you've had a couple of wins, which uh, is is great for the club. It's it's a first time that the Lions have gone into women's football as well, which um, you know I think is is a great thing for the club. How how's uh, how are you enjoying that as well? Uh, look, yeah, really fantastic. The club has been extremely supportive mm-hmm. of, of women's football. Um, and yeah, they've been yeah very welcoming of the ladies in into the club. Uh, we had um, yeah we, we had a, 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 a I guess you could say difficult start because we are an entirely new team. I mean, um, a, a few players in the team have played for me at previous clubs before, but at the end of the day, we are a brand new team. Whereas we're coming up against a lot of teams that have been together for two, three, four, however many years, and so they know each other a lot more. But having said that, um, from the start, you know we. Um, have won two, lost two. Um, the two that we've lost were uh, by a goal each and could very easily have gone the other way. So, yeah, looking very good uh, to start the season and, yeah, lots of really positive signs going forward. So I think it, it could... Yeah, it's got the potential to be a very a very positive season. And the clubhouse renovations have uh, definitely helped with uh, women's uh, change rooms and all that. That's that's all come to the fore. I believe the the club's looking uh, quite sparkling. I'm looking forward to come down and have a look one day. Yeah, yeah, the clubhouse renovations have been fantastic. Uh, so we've got yeah got our own change rooms at the back, and um, then we go on and play on the main pitch. And we've got the whole inside of the club room. Looks, um, yeah, looks really brand new. Um, very uh, huge improvement. Um, yeah, look, I've got nothing but positives to say about, yeah, the club and how the cops been and, and, and the facilities. It's fantastic. Yeah, no, good stuff. Uh, it's always good to see uh, women's football make an impact in some of these bigger clubs, uh, established clubs around WA. Oh, look, I think every club should at least have one ladies' team, um, yep. irrespective of what level they're playing at, because having the women involved in the club certainly rounds your club out and, and stops some of the yobbish behaviour that prevailed in some of them. Yeah. Absolutely, and uh, it's mm. good. Good, not just from from the f- fact that we've got young girls in that area who uh, can enjoy the game of football, but there's there's a social factor as well. Mm. There's, uh, it really creates a good vibe around the clubhouse, so it's good stuff. And and then the, you'll have some local rivalry if you uh, get into the NPL uh, in the next few years, where you've got Balcata, just uh, the, the neighbours down the road have been very good at women's football. Mm. Yeah, well, that's the plan: is is um, project upwards towards the NPL, and then. Hopefully, yeah, renew or um, start those rivalries in the women's side, not just the men's. Yeah, good stuff. All right, back to the champion, uh, the uh, yes. EPL, the, the bottom end of the table. Um, the result last night was vitally important for West Ham, and I think it, it all but sees them safe. The, the bottom four, though, um, per many one of those last three clubs now that are sitting in the danger zone to go down. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, for the last night's game for West Ham fans was absolutely gold uh, because it was looking extremely tenuous at one point down the bottom. But um, at the moment, yeah, Norwich are gone. um, So that leaves Bournemouth and Villa still in the relegation spots and Watford sort of precariously hanging just above there. Uh, And it really shows um, the, the game the other day where Bournemouth... Uh, lost to Man City, but really, really should have have got at least a point out of that. Yeah. That point could be pretty damaging because that would have put them uh, within two points of Watford. But Watford's final run in, they've got City and Arsenal as their final two games. Wow! So it's 
extremely possible to get zero points from that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And their goal difference and is it's... minus 23 and Bournemouth is minus 25. So it's pretty tight there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Watford, I believe, was it this season where they lost 8-0 to City? So, yep. you know, it's, it's <laughs> it could happen again. Um, but Villa have got Arsenal and then the final game of the season against, say, presumably perfectly safe Hammers who might already have mentally gone off on holidays. Yep. Um, and Bournemouth have got Southampton who are looking a lot better since Project Restart and Everton who are sort of notoriously inconsistent. So, you know, Watford, I would say... Um, despite not yet being in the relegation zone, are almost favourites to drop into it. Yep, that's my thought as well. And then we look at uh, the teams coming up after a 16-year break. Um, Leeds are back. Yeah, it's been, been a, yeah, a pretty good morning for um, many of the Leeds fans that I that, that I know. So they've been they've been celebrating. I've got I've even got my Marcelo Bielsa T-shirt on today. Yeah. Um, and so getting getting Leeds back in the Premier League is always going to be good for the Premier League, and getting Marcelo Bielsa into the Premier League is going to be fantastic for the Premier League. You know, we, we it's crying out for a personality. Oh, like okay. him. And I think Leeds are Australia's second um, EPL team. If you look back, you know, with Viduka, Kuehl, Burns, there's a lot of Australians have played out of Leeds. And I think, you know, um, your heart always goes towards Leeds just because of that association if you're an Australian. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, back there, yeah. Kuehl and Viduka. Was, Schwartz was there as well, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Jacob, so yeah, no, and there's, Jacob there's Burns. Much. Yeah, there's very much a, a lengthy sort of Australian contingent in Leeds, which which yeah. makes it a pretty popular choice. But it's also just you know, I mean, I'm, as far as I'm aware, it's a a bit of a one club city, and so it's it's and it's a big city, big stadium, so big fan base. Great to have them back in the Premier League. Um, that'll that'll do. Hopefully, they stay up. Uh, West, uh, but West the, Brom, probably coming. Well, up. well, well it, it looked like they were, and, and until this morning, so yeah. they they lost two two one to Huddersfield and. If I uh, think um, two Arsenal loanees scored both goals for Huddersfield, uh, and that has done them no favours at all. It, no. The maths was very, very simple for the, um, West Brom. It was win their remaining two games, and you promote it. Yeah. They lost the first of it, so now the maths is very, very simple for Brentford, who was who are in third, win yes. the remaining two games, and you promote it. The, 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 so, gl- the glamour club Brentwood, yeah. <laughs> say that again, sorry. The, the glamour club Brentwood. Yeah, well, Princeton have got an interesting story. You know, they they were bought out by um, a guy who made his money um, by creating his own gambling company. Yeah. Um, and he has then taken a sort of this data analytics approach to running a football club. And um, they took them from, I think, the third tier yeah. to the, the cusp of, of promotion. Yeah. Uh, the, the manager who's there at the moment lost... I believe eight of his first 10 games in charge of the club. Yeah. And they went, no, no, we believe in the project. We're going to stick with him. And here we are. But if they beat um, uh, QPR, who I think are in 16th, and Barnsley, who yeah. are last, then they're promoted. And then you look at the other clubs that are in the playoff spots or are playoff hopefuls, Fulham, Forest, Cardiff, Millwall, and Swansea are probably the only realistic ones. But, you know, there's lots of well-credentialed clubs there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, West Brom look like they're probably going to drop into the playoffs. Yeah. And like you say, there's Fulham, who are, you know, a pretty, pretty historic club. Um, I mean, I, I kind of, my personal opinion is I hope they don't get promoted because I think there's already too many London clubs in the, in the Premier League. So yeah. <laughs> any more, <laughs> especially with Brentford going up, yeah. any more won't do. Um, but then you've got Nottingham Forest, who, you know, two European Cup champions yeah. there. Uh, Cardiff, 
Um, and, and look, Millwall and Swansea can both sneak in um, into the playoffs. They're only a Swansea win outside the playoffs at the moment. So and they're in eighth. And playoffs, you know what it's like. Blackpool a few years ago, quite average all season, managed to sneak into sixth, then won the playoffs and got promoted. So, you know, it's, it's anyone's game in the playoffs. Yeah, and then you look at the bottom end, and it's quite funny because you go from 19th spot, which is Middlesbrough, um, you've got Birmingham, who is another ex-EPL club, Charlton, Hull, Luton, and then Barnsley, with Hull and Luton being in the relegation spots uh, with, along with Barnsley. There's, again, some some great clubs there. Mm. Yeah, and look, Hull are just one of those stories, aren't they, where um, they were bought out by um, local millionaires who then put their own money into the club to sort of pay off the debts, and it all went a bit sour with the, the club and the local um, the local shire or council who run who own the stadium. And so they started then selling off all their best players, taking that money as um, under the pretense of, oh, we're paying off the loans, even though the loans are to the owners who they put on themselves. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, from the Premier League a few years ago to possibly going into League One when there are huge doubts about whether or not League One even exists um, next season because of coronavirus... Yep. Is is possibly a really bad time um, to get promote to get relegated. Having said that, Wigan are possibly facing, I believe, a twelve or fifteen point deduction um, yep. due to going into administration. Yeah, that's a, an automatic ten pointer, but there's there's no guarantees that they're going to survive. And um, <clears throat> you know, the as you said, division, the, the the next two tiers, there's no guarantees that some or all of those clubs won't disappear. I know my own club got relegated into Division 2, which is South End United, and, um, you know, they've always flirted around financial disaster for the last 40 years, and I, I don't see them coming out of this too well either. So, you know, they, they've got no money, they've got no players, they've got no coaches, and where do you go from there? No hope. Yeah. Well, well that's the problem with the clubs at that end as well is is – so many clubs were, were flirting with financial disaster for, um, for years and um, the, the largest proportion of their income is matchday income. Yeah. So you take away matchday income for half a season and possibly whatever is next season and a lot of clubs will go under, which is, you know, it's a huge shame. But even, even the Wigan story is extraordinarily bizarre where Dave Whelan, a, a local millionaire, owned the club for t- about 20 years, got yeah. into the Premier League, beat Man City in the FA Cup final, won the FA Cup final. He sold the club this year, I believe, um, to IEC, a Hong Kong-based um, investment company. And then, bizarrely, they put in about £40 million to pay off some debts, to build a new training centre. He then, this guy, I can't remember his name, but he changed the, the ownership and, and he sold, kind of, quote-unquote, sold the club to another group and became the 49% owner. Yeah. Another guy became the 51% owner. Within a day, the same day the new guy took over, he put the club into administration. So there's going to be an investigation, I think police investigation, to see if there's any money laundering involved um, with the club. But to, to put £40 million in and then put it into administration the same day sounds, is extraordinarily bizarre. Sounds like a washing machine. Yeah, Bitcoin oh, maybe, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. And, and I suppose then uh, we, we've talked about the the, 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 sorry, the European Champions League. Um this season's not been decided yet, and we've got to work out what's going to happen there. Do we know what's going to happen with the, the Champions League this year? Yeah, so there's going to be, at the end of the season, there's going to be a little fortnight competition. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> i tell you what, I don't think they've listened to many sports scientists because they're, they're, they're trying to play, I think, every game within about 14 days, 
which is, I mean, I was looking at the fixtures. I can't remember the exact numbers of days, but it was an awfully tight schedule. Um, and, they, and they've still got, I think, four round of 16 games to go. And then they're going to play the quarterfinals, semifinals and final all in one location within, yeah, I think it's within about two weeks at the end of the season. And that's all going to be spectator free, I suppose. Oh, yeah, it would have to be. It would okay. have to be, yeah. And so that'll be in August. And then the implications on this for the for next year. I mean, we're I know we're not finished this year yet, but you know the the way things are in the UK with the the virus and the control measures they've got in. Do we think next season's going to be a similar start? And the impacts of not having crowds is is massive on every club. Yeah, but I mean, I think what what a lot of clubs are doing is basically going. Do you know what? We, you've had two months off or three months off. That's your off season. Yeah. Um, so we, they're probably going to have a week or two break. And, and I think, I believe, 29th of August was one of the dates that um, the clubs were looking at for a restart of the, of, of the new Premier League season. And despite the sort of outrageous uh, levels of coronavirus um, cases in, in, in the UK, Boris Johnson has inexplicably come out and claimed that he wants to have crowds in stadiums again in October. Yeah. So, you know, it could be spectated games for most of the season. So um, I suppose the next thing is you obviously watch a lot of football on on streaming or whatever. Um, do you use it with or without the crowd noise? Uh, I personally watch it um, on Optus with the crowd noise. Yeah, it just I know it's done by what a FIFA or whatever it is, but it just yeah. It, it, I mean, I know it, 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 it's it's a little bit disconcerting seeing empty crowds and then seeing and hearing crowd noise. But I I, I don't know I just. That's kind of how I need to watch football. <laughs> so you, okay. you forget after a while there's no crowd. No, it just seems that, you know, obviously some people love the crowd noise and that seems to be what makes it. But for me, I I actually like to listen to it without the crowd noise and you can hear the players talking and the coaches and everything else. So it's a bit bit more like state league uh, um, football at that point, but it's actually pretty, <laughs> it's actually pretty good. There's definitely some some um, some very strong state league vibes coming off with the, with the no crowd noise, but but yeah, like you say, it's good to hear sometimes which players that you didn't realise talk that much, and which coaches spoke sort of more than you thought they might do. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, definitely. It's, it's an interesting dynamic, and I you know when I found out I could switch off the crowd noise, it was the first thing I did, and I went, yes, I'm I'm enjoying this this way around. You, Don, mm-hmm. would you prefer? Uh, look, I, you know, I'm, let, let's just say I'm a traditionalist. I, I want to hear that passionate crowd roar, roaring their team <laughs> on. <laughs> I imagine you're like me when you're watching the television. You're providing enough passionate noise within your own living room. My wife leave... tells me, just shut up, will you? And I, <laughs> I just can't shut up. When... <laughs> Mine tells me, you know he can't hear you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm abusing the, the, yeah. everybody, the players, the ref, and but, but I can do that because I'm in my own house and, and it's just me and the dog and the wife and she's got to put up with it. It's just and I, and I will abuse the referee. Yeah, yeah. No, that's the way it goes, you know. All right, Derek, look, thank you very much for your time. Um, useful insight into what's going on and, and, you know, it's a lot to keep your eye on over there. Um, whilst I'm disappointed that Sydney got the court decision, half of me is still happy because I think the best teams should be playing in Europe and there's, there's no doubt mm. that they're worthy. So, you know, mixed emotions, but uh, best of luck, mate, and uh, especially with the, the girls there at Sterling Lions. Brilliant. Thank you very much, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Keep enjoying. See ya. Have a good day. You too. Derek, our savant on um, all things European football. He's <laughs> definitely got the finger on the pulse. But, I mean, I, I'm just excited for a club like Leeds who 
when I was a kid, that they were, you know, like that they were that super club, that glamour club that you know had so many great players playing for them. This is before Viduka and Kiel went there. You know, it was just one of those. It was Man United. It was uh, you know Chelsea. It was uh, Leeds United and uh, with, I think with, Ipswich Town even around then with was, Lorimer and yeah, all them playing for yeah. them. Yeah, Billy Bremner. Billy Bremner. Yeah, yeah. Lorimer. Big uh, Jack was Jack Charlton there as well. I think probably yeah, yeah at some stage. Just you know memories of when we used to play. Western recently departed Jack Charlton. Yes, yeah. sadly, but um, yeah, no. The- I know. See, I mean, look, footballers of that era are obviously now reaching their mid to late eighties, and it's it's going to be happening more and more right. often. And it's a it's a it's a, a romantic era of football when you know the the professional players would come off and have a pint of beer and a ciggy at half time before going back out. And it's the world's changed a lot. Yeah, a lot of those guys had other jobs um, and. They didn't make the sort of money that's available now, and probably they should have done. But you know, you know, they they like we always say, our times were we played for the love of the game. That was yeah. it. You know, it wasn't about making money. Now, now it's a it's a business. You know, it's uh, good luck to them. But I still look at it and I go, it's like when uh, I saw that story about uh, Mane from Liverpool, who said, yeah. uh, how many. How many sports cars can I have? How many uh, latest model mobile phones? How many houses can I have? Yeah. I'd rather put that money back into schools, education. But, but that's what he's country. doing. He's, he, he's in doing. his own country. Yeah. He's built a hospital. He's built a so, school. He's built a football academy. So, so people like him are the people that I consider to be um, the great people uh, who, who are earning disgusting amounts but actually putting it to good use. And it's quite interesting when you hear their histories and what they've been through and the deprivation that they've had and what they've had to struggle through to get where they are. did the same with uh, the Ivory Um, Coast. He he went back and, you know, built schools and all that sort. So when you see that, you know, that... That gives you that inner, inner warmth, inner glow because people are putting back into their communities. And it's quite interesting. I, I was at uh, training last night with, with our boys and um, one of our, our youngsters who plays in the first team has, has actually – he's talking about his experiences in a refugee camp yep. and the lads around when he was telling this story just couldn't believe what he'd been through. You know, mm. you, you, it was only a very small insight into part of his life and you just yep. – you know, you think how lucky we are in this country. Oh, mate, honestly, and to, to be honest, I think getting more of those stories out in our football community, letting people come come out and express where they've come from and how much they love and respect the freedoms they got here. All these kids who have been brought up here uh, will then realise how privileged they are and how fortunate they are to have been born in this country. And uh, it's only when you hear other people's hardship that you you realise that not to take it for granted what we have here. No, absolutely. I think you know, when you, you've been through some of those things, you get a real appreciation of what's going on around you. Yep. And uh, there's no shortage of, um, you know, the impact that the migrant communities have had in, in our football game from, you know, the African continent to the European continent to the Asian continent. You know, there's there's teams throughout our leagues that uh, represent all those communities and uh, y- young kids all sort of showing their style and their flair from their unique sort of uh, upbringing. So it's, it's, it's what makes our game fantastic to uh, go out there and watch. It's all things to all people, mate. Is, yeah. yeah, you can enjoy it in so many ways. We've talked about Sabutio. We've talked about the esports, yep. um, which I know you don't get. I'm, but I'm still trying to work out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to go to a break, and we'll be back after that with um, Donna Gufre, who is the DT38 
She's the uh, main lady here she in, in WA. Yes. She's leading the charge. All right, so we'll be back after these with Donna. Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. We provide value for money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly. And we provide prompt professional service with 30 years experience, which is why our clients recommend us. Your property is our concern. See prosperitystratamanagement.com.au Station Sponsor. Because futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. Okay. <laughs> Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online keeping in touch by FaceTime and watching classic matches on shared TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are here every Saturday from 10am to 12 noon. We appreciate your support and stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together. Now, whilst I was enjoying that win last night, Don, for West Ham, I was thinking how good would it have been to have seen Antonio up there with Dylan Tombides, who's no longer with us, but mm-hmm. um, still very much in our minds. And mm-hmm. no more so than our next guest, who is Donna Gouffray. Good morning, Donna. How are you? Good morning, uh, Sean and Don. How are you? Yeah, terrific. A bit of a cold morning, but, um, you know... We're um, buzzing because West Ham's safe, Donna. Yeah. Let's be honest. <laughs> Okay. That's a good thing. That's yep, a yep, good thing. Yeah, I can imagine. Last thing we want to see is our great club go down and uh, the boys have done done very well. And uh, as they keep doing, the club's uh, a massive supporter of the DT38 Foundation and so many things um, that they've done in, in respect of helping with fundraisers and events and stuff. What's been happening during the COVID-19 uh, period, uh, Donna? Has there been any activities that uh, we can let listeners know about or upcoming activities? Well, as you can imagine, um, both here in the UK, obviously the UK more so was impacted quite dramatically over there. So mm. um, everything was put on a big halt, um, you know, and over here as well, we've had to cancel or postpone actually several events that we had upcoming up, mm. uh, which one of the big ones was our golf day that was supposed to be happening, was supposed to happen in May um, this year, but we had to postpone that due to COVID and all the travel restrictions and obviously everyone's um, thoughts and 
places where elsewhere they didn't want to have to focus on something else. They're all focusing on their family and revenue and income and whatnot. So that's happened. We, we're not going to have any more uh, large-scale events this year. We don't think, one, it's appropriate, uh, considering the eastern states are struggling so much at the moment and we've got quite a few DT38 family over there. So, And, you know, everyone's just getting back on their feet. So it doesn't make sense to shift focus just yet, but we are still working very hard behind the scenes with all our events that we're going to hopefully launch in 2021, early 2021, in conjunction with the UK. So let's hope, fingers crossed, everything gets better over East and, you know, things keep travelling well here in WA and then we're on track to, you know, have our golf day, um, which was going to be Celebrity Golf Day, hosted by Simon Hill and Daniel Garb. And, you know, we had a range of DTCD ambassadors from over East and in WA that were going to take part of it. So fingers crossed things get better. Now, with merchandise and stuff uh, that we have in the DT38, um, uh, call it shop, um, where can uh, listeners go online to purchase uh, caps, T-shirts, all the paraphernalia that um, we have to uh, promote the DT38 Foundation? Yeah, absolutely. If you just jump on our website or any of our social media platforms, so dt38.org, we've got a really amazing hoodie that uh, we launched at the start of last year. And all the lads, um, you'll see it across social media, people wearing it. It's quite warm and cosy and it's, it's actually quite classy. So you can wear it out and about as well. So it's not just your regular home hoodie. And they're great for winter and especially if right now, which is quite cold over here. I feel like I'm back home in yeah. Melbourne. So it's, um, it keeps you quite warm. So we have a range. You know, we've got caps. We've got uh, gym attire, you know, the singlets. We've got your hoodies. We've got everything. Um, and you can just jump online and... I uh, want to have a chat to Kayla, who made uh, manages most of our merchandise looks, and hopefully we can get a uh, beanie if the A-League is looking to change their fixtures to be a winter sport next year. Yeah. Um, it'd be great to have a beanie uh, over here in Australia because we love them and we can wear them on cold nights while we're out there watching the football and having a pint or go and watch the glory. So, yeah, so yeah. I want to have a chat to him about that because I think beanies are great and you see them in the EPL and whatnot and but, everyone, you know, is wearing them. So, yeah. But also most most of the state leagues and uh, MPLs play during the winter anyway and that's exactly. where the majority of people are. I mean, I'm going to take a beanie with me to the game I've got today. Um, I'd much rather be wearing a DT38 one than my Bunnings one, but there you go. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> <laughs> and, and when we t- we're, whilst we're on the merchandising, did you move any more on my idea? Because I, I still want to buy a pair of DT thirty eight balls, golf, golf balls. Yeah, <laughs> golf balls. We we have them. We've got the golf balls. We've got them printed. They're all ready to go. Um, I believe they're sitting um, nicely in uh, John Bondy's our director's home, ready to be used and launched for our golf day. So they will be available, um, and they look great. So. Uh, yeah, I just think two two in, <laughs> two in a presentation pack, buy a pair of balls for the DT38. I think it's there's a it's symmetry a no, there. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that was uh, that was John's um, first initial thought was obviously use it for branding on the day, but then people buying them and having them at home and just two balls there obviously rep- you know, talks about what we talk about and you know, with our logo and whatnot on there. So, yeah, it is a no-brainer. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and it's sort of, I mean, jokingly, but it, it's um, destigmatizing the whole thing. You know, the one of the reasons that, that men 
end up dying of de- of testicular cancer is there's an embarrassment factor. We've got to get that out of the way. You know, your health is the only thing you really have. And if you're not looking after it, you know, don't be embarrassed. If you feel a lump, talk to someone, go and see a doctor, go and see a specialist, um, you know, and if you're a kid, let, let your mum know, you know, because your mum will look after you, but don't be embarrassed about it. That's, that's what ends up getting people sick and dying and that's not where we want to be. Absolutely, and I think um, with any health issue, a lot of there's a huge stigma around men's health in general, and that's yep. something that I've learned over the last few years. But we're actually getting a lot better, a lot, lot better. People are talking about it more, and it's probably because a lot of organisations like ourselves, um, we're making light of the situation as well, trying to find the easy, relaxed way to approach it opposed to the, you know, straight to the guns, you get cancer, you're going to die, or if you don't get checked, you're going to die. That was how it was always stigmatised and people were thinking about it that way. But now by educating the youth um, up, because you want to start educating them quite young, so, you know, 10 and above, let's say, so they can get into high school and they're talking about it with their mates, Um, you know, you hear a lot of, I hear a lot of juniors and even the lads in the youth teams joking about it, oh, I've got my balls checked, blah, blah, blah. So at least, even though it's not a joke, but at least they're talking about it and Absolutely, they're not yeah. to bring it up. And, and that's the main message. But it's all, all elements of your health. You know, there's, it's been a very blokey thing to just tough it out and, you know, um, battle Absolutely. through, punch on. Um, you know, I worked with I worked with a few people that um, have had some some chest pains who've done nothing about it, and then Christmas yep. Eve last year, I had one of my colleagues literally die in my arms, which wasn't nice. Wow! Um, and you know, he he was fit and he didn't think anything of it. And you know, these these are the things that happen if you if you don't look after your health. Um, you know, it will catch up with you at some stage. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you can jump on our website as well because we've got a lot of fact sheets on there on how you can check yourself at home before you go to the hospital, you know, go to the doctors or go to your GP or go see your friend. And if you're in the bathroom and something is up, have that fact sheet on it. You can just bring it up on your phone. It's not like you need to print it out. And it takes you step by step of what you need to check for. And if if one of those steps don't feel right, then just book the appointment because it's not invasive. Um, I think, John, you've gone and had the testicular cancer check at one of our free um, screenings, I believe. It was very And they're not invasive, right? Straightforward. So they're a breeze. Yeah, exactly. So so it's one thing I recommend. Yeah, highly recommend. Now, one of our favourite ambassadors for the DT38 Foundation has hung up the boots after a real distinguished yes. career as our captain and uh, well spiritual leader of the Socceroos in uh, Miller Yednak and uh, he he's uh, still back in uh, the UK uh, with the family uh, raising that uh, that bunch of uh, future Socceroos stars he's I think he's got yes. uh, four four boys or three. little tribe <laughs> yeah little yep. tribe and uh, yeah d- d- so yeah Mil- Miller now has a little bit of time on his hands um, any plans to get him uh, doing a uh, a bit more for the foundation next year and the year after? Yeah, absolutely. He's always um, not only a patron of DTCD, but he's also close to the Tom Beatty's family. So he's always putting his hand up on how he can be involved. And uh, most recently he was involved in our uh, Check One Two campaign that we do on the first of every month. So you would see a series of videos be released from ambassadors in the UK. And then we've got our ambassadors here in um, Australia. And he was the first one to release it. Uh, with his boys who are, look like they're almost taller than him, so no doubt they're <laughs> going to be absolute weapons on the field. Whether they go and play, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, 
you know, they he's such a good friend of DT38 that he's and his nature, as you would know, is he's such a soft, humble person, giving person, and so is his family, um, and they give a lot, um, and they don't ask for anything in return. So, you know, once everything dies down and he enjoys a bit of retirement, um, whether he stops football completely or goes into the coaching stages or whatever, which is what a lot of people do, or commentary, mm. um, no doubt, we'll you know approach him and see what what's next and what we can do to leverage of him over in the UK because he's quite settled over there. He loves being over there and he's a household name both over there and here. So it works well for both organisations um, in terms of Millet. But I just want to also mention our other ambassador, uh, Liam Reddy, who plays his 300th game today. Yeah, yeah good luck too. to Liam. He's yep. to play that pre-coronavirus. He was supposed to have his 300th game and then obviously the game got cancelled and whatnot. So he's having it this weekend. So he's been an absolute machine um, on the field and for DT38 as well. He's not on Facebook and whatnot. He is on Twitter, but he's not on Facebook. And he's like, Donna, whatever you need, just send me a text. And he just gets it done. It's like, it's just a breeze with him. So I just want to wish him luck on behalf of everyone from DT and obviously uh, Perth Glory for their restart of the season, I guess. Yeah, no, he, he's he's a fav- favourite in this town, Liam's uh, like uh, yes. a true, true warrior, a soldier and a great family man. He's got uh, three beautiful boys uh, along with his wife, Christy, and he knows how valuable... The uh, the DT thirty eight foundation is to uh, spreading yeah. the good health message to uh, all our kids and uh, and I mean even Simon Hill I mean you look at all the ambassadors you've got around yeah. uh, Australia yeah. you've just got some great people Donna helping Garb. spread the message yeah, yeah. Danny Daniel Garb Garby out yeah. there you know just good good yeah, guys mm. Simon Hill's um, you know we have Garby's our patron which is yep. uh, it's unbelievable because he does so much for us yep. and then you've got obviously yeah like you said Simon Hill but most recently. Uh, which is what I've been doing behind the scenes. We can't have events, but there's, you know, the work doesn't stop on how we can spread our message, bringing on new ambassadors with a new vision, new um, thoughts and fresh minds. Mm-hmm. So, you know, recently we got John Aloisi on board, which was yep. unbelievable. You know, he's part of the golden generation, yep. uh, well-respected everywhere. And then again, a couple of weeks ago, um, one of the hardest men, men to ever take the football pitch um, in Kevin Musket, who is coaching over in Belgium. Yes. So um, yeah. he's. We're going to be launching him um, very soon, and he said that I, you know, we've just sent him his ambassadors pack over there, so that's going yep. to um, happen as well. Yep. And you know, people like that who are well respected in football. Yeah. Um, and doesn't just have to be football. You no. know, we've got Damian Martin in basketball and yep. whatnot. So, and then it doesn't have to just be males. We've got females. We've got Sam Kerr, who is a household name in football in general, whether you're a male or female mm. uh, playing. Uh, Sam Kerr is one of the biggest names in football, and no doubt the biggest name in Australian football. At the and moment. The, the hoodie looks good on her as well. <laughs> oh, it looks great, doesn't it? And she yeah. loves wearing her DT38 gear. She's always sending me little snaps and videos, and she said to me, I just I said, you know, just give some to Nikki, who's her partner. Um, I said, because yeah. she keeps stealing her stuff. <laughs> so I said, listen, I'll just send you a fresh batch of clothes um, so you've got some. <laughs> So she stops stealing your gear, but she's great. She wears it to the beach. She's always got a few. Yep, absolutely. She's and wearing our orange band. And, and there's, and there's no, no harming having the, the world's best player wearing your attire. Absolutely not, and um, she makes me laugh. Like she sent me a little video when we released her. She was sitting in the change room before the Matilda's about to take on the pitch and of her band. She's wearing the DT38 wristband on her hand. She's like, yeah. I've even got it now. I've got to go quick. <laughs> and I was like, great video. So she's just great like that. You know, she's yeah. just... Fun, people relate to her, young, old, whether you play football or you don't, whether you're 
play baseball, cricket, it doesn't matter, you know, who Sam yeah. Curry is. And, and I think the other thing is that you, you talk about Damien Martin. I think it's very good that we're, we're yeah. crossing across codes because, you know, men play all the codes. Um, right. And yeah. just, just because Dylan was a, a footballer yeah. doesn't change anything. And, and no. you know, we... We need to have that cross organisation across all sports because all yep. men are affected. Yep. So I think it's fantastic that you're going Absolutely. in that direction. Exactly. It's not exclusively yeah, just for our sport, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. No, it doesn't discriminate just on footballers. If, yeah. You know, and even if you don't play a sport, mm. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter whether you're an artist, musician. It doesn't matter, and they're the avenues we're going to be going down. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. Mm. If you're a male, it's not going to discriminate against you if you've got. Your balls, it's not going to discriminate. Absolutely. <laughs> so, and, and the, exactly. The initiatives that you've had here with our governing body uh, and having Alex Novatsis on, on the uh, yeah. DT38 panel uh, as a board member, I mean, that, that's got to help uh, spread the message through our through our club, club land as well, Donna. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Alex was very instrumental when we brought him on board. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the NPL went on a bit of a halt this year. Yep. yep. Um, and it's just restarted. So, you know, normally we would have our DC 38 rounds and whatnot, but I think uh, for this year, we're just going to let the boys play because I know everyone is a bit on edge. Is the season going to still go ahead? What's going on? And everything like that. But the um, football West have always been huge supporters. And having someone like Alex in his position who also has Friends outside of Football West also assist us as well. And, um, you know, we had Trent Barron as well from Football West join the uh, board as well, who Alex introduced us to. Again, he's been so instru- he was so instrumental in so much um, last season. So people like that are great. And we even have that in Victoria, which even, even you know, it's even bigger over there, football, um, the NPL over there. And the likes of Peter Philopolis behind us, um, and our Victorian club over there that's got DT set out on all their strips is the whole Northern Falcons team. They're having them all on their shorts. Um, the DT38 logo, uh, unfortunately, the season's been cancelled over there now. They've called it, um, they've called it off wow. because of the um, COVID-19. But yeah. even that, just something like that, you know, the Eastern States knocking on our door going, hey, how can we help? Yes. Well, yeah. Yeah, you know, that's something great. so simple. Yeah. Yep. Now, um, over the, the COVID series, season, there's been some developments in your own household. You're, you're bringing your own little boy into the world. Number two coming, yeah. coming up. A, a number two, another little boy, and everyone's like, oh, you're almost at a soccer, you know, soccer <laughs> team. I'm like, I don't think so. It ain't going to happen. But, um, yeah, another little man um, coming into the world in November, which is fantastic, a little buddy for Massimo, a little boy who turns Three this year, which is crazy. Beautiful. Um, but he'll have his own little best friend. Yeah, so it's great. You know, adding to the family. I mean, there's not much to do um, during COVID, so awesome. you know, we thought let's have a baby. <laughs> yeah, no, well, and I thought <laughs> that's a good way to go. That's a bit of forward planning. <laughs> I, thought it was I, think interesting. Of, I think a lot of people are. There's so many people that are pregnant at the moment, there, and every second person I speak to is, "Oh yeah, my wife gets pregnant," or a couple of footballers are like, "Well, we had no A League, so we may as well just." Have the family. COVID, family COVID, add on. The COVID birth boom, we'll call it. No, they're, they're going to yeah. be. No, they'll exactly. be. They will, they will be coronials. Coronials. <laughs> coronials. Yeah, they can have their own uh, little Gen Gen Y name. Yeah, yeah exactly. The no, no, look, congratulations to, to you and the rest <laughs> of the family. I think much. it's fantastic. As long as you as long as you bring this one up to be the glory fan, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> this one, no, this one is not. Um, we have made a deal. The deal was at the start uh, with my um, husband, who's 
is it? Obviously, as you know, huge first glory. Yeah. Uh, the firstborn would be whatever glory Newcastle. That's all his uh, his little league over there. Yeah. And now this little bub on the way is a victory supporter. And um, he's like, but I can still take him to glory games. Right? I'm like, you can, but he's not allowed to wear any glory gear. Oh, glory <laughs> oh I don't know. <laughs> so You're a tough mum. You are. Just one each in this household. So <laughs> not even not born yet, and he's been punished. I don't know. <laughs> 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 Oh, it's a tough gig being living in the Guifre household. Yeah, no, oh, these mixed marriages never work out, you know. <laughs> Look, he may not even like football. He may just be like, you know what? Hush your mouth, woman. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. And what if that happens? Then yeah. you've got some issues. If, if, that, if that happens, I'll put it down to bad parenting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he'll be sent to, straight to football camp. You know, they have a church camp. Good on a football camp somewhere there that can brainwash them to love it. <laughs> and I suppose, look, the, we, we're now in this hub situation with the A-League and you yeah. know, no one really knows where it's going. It's a bit artificial feel about it. Um, and mm-hmm. I think the thing I'm going to miss is your podcasts after game yeah we're really missing that we're quite active on social media which is great um but it's still that fan interaction and being at nib stadium or hbs park sorry um is is something different you know and Mm. i keep saying it i'll never take it for granted ever again watching a live game of football and i used to be like oh we're playing central coast of our tonight yeah. Um, uh, I'll give it a miss. It doesn't really matter. I'll just go do the fan reactions. I'm not really that keen. But now I won't. I don't care. I don't care who you play. Yeah. I will be there to watch because you just take the small things for granted. And going to the football and just sitting there in the stands and watching the lads play, um, you know, their little art, as I call it, it's yeah. an art on the field. You just really miss that, and we're missing that a lot. But you know, it's great that the A League is back. Um, and it's going to be a shotgun season. Uh, you know, I don't know how it's all going to work. I don't know how many teams have got full players. Um, I know the victory are struggling. We've got seven of our youth team playing next week. Yeah, because uh, we don't have anyone. We, um, we don't so, have the we don't have the maestro or Wittrick. Oh, uh, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's outgoing. Uh, you know, uh, caravanning around WA. Very, um, no, look, he's yeah. he's become assimilated Australian. He's gone bush. That's great. I think yeah. that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> that way. Um, my theory is Castro only ever plays half a season pretty much anyway. He never really starts that strong. So really, you got the good out of him. How yep. good would he have been again if he had to restart? So it's not going to make any difference. Um, no. But you've got a strong team. But I heard uh, Popper was very um, stern on players that put on a bit of weight yep. over the uh, COVID period because obviously they didn't really keep fit. They were probably sitting behind the PlayStation for most of their time. Yes, um, there's, there's been a, a few. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And you don't want to be behind the, the popper ass when it comes to weight because he's all about the skin folds and yep. eating right and whatnot. So it'll be very interesting. I'm No doubt it'll be a bit rusty on the pitch. Um, but, you know, like Sydney played last night against Wellington and absolutely, you know, 3-1. Yeah. You, know, you can call them premiers now. So Boring. Just, I could call them boring as well. Keep winning. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be very good. It's good to have football back. Absolutely. And I think when you look at what happened at Optus Stadium over the last week and what they're talking about this weekend, people are still reticent to be in big crowds and that's going to be a problem going forward, particularly for the A-League, you know, social distancing and people's confidence, particularly after what's happened in Melbourne. So it'd be interesting to see Um, your family from Melbourne all safe and sound. Yeah, everyone's safe. Everyone's a bit bored. Yeah. Um, as you can imagine, because uh, I'd rather be bored than ill. Mm. 
Yeah, I, stage four lockdown. And yeah. they're like, oh, can we just come there? I'm like, no, sorry, Mum. They're not letting any Victorians in. Yeah. We're not letting you in. <laughs> um, but boredom and, is safety, and that's what you need to do. So That's all that, that's yeah. all that matters, exactly. And I said, just stay out of those damn hot spots. But, you know, in uh, you know, in Victoria, the population is double what we've got here anyway. Yeah. So yeah. Um, they're, no, they're just doing what they have to do. And unfortunately, they're not, you know, there's a lot of idiots out there in the world. Mm. And they're not really listening, some of them. So yeah. I think they said they've issued over $540,000 worth of fines wow. yeah. for people breaching COVID. And I'm going, yeah. I mean, if you really want your KFC order, then Uber Eats. Just get it at home. Exactly. <laughs> Just exactly what it's there for. Play by yeah. the rules. <laughs> All right, Donna, thank Play you very much for being on. Um, best of luck no, with the DT38 yeah. stuff. You know, it's very much in our minds. Exactly. Um, and, um, you know, hopefully the, everything goes well with, with Bub and, um, yep. yeah, the the, the family will be complete. The growing Guifrey family. So, yeah, pa- yes, pass yes. on best wishes to everyone at DT38 from uh, our, our uh, station and our listeners. Uh, always out Thank there to support. Thank you so much, guys, for always having us on. No You're welcome. Cheers, Donna. Take care. Bye. Bye. Donna Guifrey, DT38. Yeah. Yeah, representing it really well. Absolutely. Yep. All right, Don, the end of another show. Um, thank you very much for being on. I'm off to Grindleford Reserve to watch a game Why of football. Be? I'm off to Kingsway Olympic to watch another game of football. So I'm going to have a big feed. I reckon the, the uh, Italian uh, pasta should be uh, the, the on the menu down at uh, Grindleford. So Absolutely, it will be. Let me plate of pasta and you, you can grab a – I'm sure Stevie Nelkowski will have a lamb on a spit or something down well, at Kingsway. Kingsway very, very well <laughs> in that regard. It's a great – catering facility so yeah well done everybody yeah. get out to a local game today That's or it. tomorrow if you can um, thank you for listening we'll be back in oh, i'll be back in two weeks penny will be back next week thank you for listening join us again next week at the same time for the world football program on radio Fremantle 107.9 fm